Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I want to take the lead. Get to the cross. Humble myself. You know, the Proverbs is very clear about this, that with humility comes wisdom, but with pride comes folly. Oh, how often do we as husbands in our pride become fools? Again, the onus is on us, isn't it? Husbands? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. Pastor J.D. tells us that all too often he's seen marriages fall apart due to people's unwillingness to let go of their pride. He reminds us that Christian men are to love their bride as Jesus loved the church. To do this, they must not have pride, but instead show absolute agape love. It's then that the wife will be truly able to take on her role. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 5 with part 2 of his message. Husbands, love your wives. Oh, come on. Let's, let's get honest and let's get real here. The statistics for Christian marriages are exactly like the statistics for non-Christian marriages. And I don't want to go there, but they're heartbreaking. And, and keep in mind, there is a, ah, for lack of a better way of saying it, a satanic component of sorts. Because Satan hates marriage. Why does Satan hate marriage? Because of what marriage represents. It's a microcosm of our relationship with Jesus Christ as our bridegroom and us as the bride. The bride of Christ. And he hates marriage. Because of what marriage represents. So, again, I, let me maybe say the same thing in a different way. You brought here with you today problems in your marriage. And I'm suggesting to you, humbly suggesting to you, that those problems could go away if you love your wife, husband, in this way. The onus is on you. I want to talk about that more in, in just a moment. See, when the wife is loved in this way, she will submit to and be respectful of her husband. Because again, I, you'll forgive the crass way that I say this, but... That's the way God wired her. She'll respond that way because God made her that way. But here's the problem. The husband says, I'm not going to love her until she respects me. Okay. How's that working out for you, by the way? <laughs> Just, you don't have to raise your hands. I, I already know how that's working out. <laughs> <laughs> I tried that. <laughs> and then you got the husband saying, I'm not going to love her till she respects me. But here's the wife over here going, I'm not going to respect him until he loves me. 
Oh, that's a problem. I'll tell you what else that is. Pride. Pride. Uh, Let me lovingly say, and again, I'm talking as one who has learned the hard way and has the scars to prove it. And yes, you can ask my wife about this, second service, if you wish. But that's pride, and pride comes before a marriage falling apart. You can write the next chapter. Okay, now here's the thing. Okay, husbands, you know how we talk about, well, I'm the head of the home. I wear the pants in the family. My wife doesn't even tell me which pair of pants to wear. I'm the head. She's not even the neck telling me which way to turn. I'm the man of the house. She needs to show me some respect. I'm the leader. Okay. Well, then if you're the leader, why don't you take the lead and humble yourself? No. You want to take the lead in everything else. Maybe you're to take the lead and be the example as the leader, the spiritual leader, and humble yourself. I mean, what would that look like? And by the way, here's the the conflict in the marriage, and you're arguing, and you're yelling. I hope not. That's not good. What would it be like, guys? I'm talking to you, men, man to man here, okay? What would happen if in the heat of that battle and that conflict, you said to your wife, you know what, honey? And you humbled yourself. Said, you know, I'm wrong. You're right. Their, their first response would be, what? <laughs> wait, 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 what? Is this a trick? <laughs> what do you mean? No, I, you're right. And, and you take the lead and you get to the cross before she gets there. Right? That's one time I was teaching about marriage and I made the comment. I said, you know, I always beat my wife and then I took the, a breath and it was the wrong place to take a pause because she, and everybody's looking at me with this look of horror. He beats his wife. And when I was trying to say and I shouldn't have swallowed and I shouldn't have caught my breath and I shouldn't have taken a breath, what I meant to say was I always beat my wife to the cross. I mean, I don't want her getting there before me. That's not a good thing. (laughs) I want to take the lead. Get to the cross. Humble myself. You know, the Proverbs is very clear about this, that with humility comes wisdom, but with pride comes folly. Oh, how often do we as husbands in our pride become fools. Again, the onus is on us, isn't it? Husbands, humble yourselves. Here's the bottom line. If a husband will love his wife as Christ loves the church, 
and gives himself up for her as the spiritual leader, making her holy and pure by way of God's word, which by the way carries with it the idea, it's the word rhema in the original language, which means the spoken word. Logos is the written word of God, rhema is the spoken word of God. Now think about that. That's us as spiritual leaders talking about and making prominent the word of God in our marriage, in our conversation. There's a cleansing and a purity that comes by way of God's word, and it's a covering too. It's a spiritual covering. We're covering her and loving her the same way we love, care, and provide for the needs of our own body and make her the most important person in our lives next to the Lord. Where do you get that, Pastor? Oh, leave and cleave. In other words, leave that usually in the Middle East, especially during that time, in that day, the father had the ultimate authority in the life of that child, even that adult child. So when they would get married, they would need to leave both father and mother out from underneath that parental authority because now they are to weld, to cleave together with their wife. That now supersedes the importance of that relationship with anybody else, including the father and the mother. Let me just uh, mention one thing real quick on this. So one of the things that I've uh, had across the pastoral desk of marriage counseling is that the husband will say that, you know, I can't, you know, go golfing or I can't do this or I can't do that um, because, you know, my wife says I don't, you know, spend enough time with her. And one of the things I've uh, tried to minister to them from this text is that if your wife is secure in knowing that she's the most important person in your life. She'll let you do anything you want. Because she's secure. She knows where she stands. She knows how important she is. If she's insecure in that, then she's going to have a hard time with how you spend your time away from her. But when that is in order and you have cleaved to her, and she's the most important person in your, in your life, then she's secure. So if we love her and value her as much as we love ourselves, and because we love ourselves, then it will be the wife's irresistible delight to submit to us and to be respectful toward us. I'll even say proportionate to how we love them in this way. First and foremost, that will be their response. I use the word irresistible because, again, that's how God has made the wife. I want to, again, humbly suggest that doing so or not doing so will be the difference between a marriage that's hell on earth or a marriage that's heaven on earth. That's 
That's the difference. And again, I say it again. The onus is on the husband to take the lead in this. I want to bring it to a close with a story. I first heard it way back in the 1980s. And to me, it beautifully demonstrates and illustrates this love that a husband has for his wife. It's titled, Johnny Lingo's Eight Cow Wife. (laughs) It was actually in Reader's Digest in 1988, but originally it was written by a Patricia McGurr back in 1965. It goes like this. My trip to the Kinawata Island in the Pacific was a memorable one. Although the island was beautiful and I had an enjoyable time, the thing I remember most about my trip was the fact Johnny Lingo gave eight cows for his wife. I'm reminded of it every time I see a woman belittle her husband or a wife wither under her husband's scorn. I want to say to them, you should know why Johnny Lingo gave eight cows for his wife. Johnny Lingo is known throughout the islands for his skills, intelligence, and savvy. If you hire him as a guide, he will show you the best fishing spots and the best places to get pearls. Johnny is also one of the sharpest traders in the islands. He can get you the best possible deals. The people of Kinawata all speak highly of Johnny Lingo, yet when they speak of him, they always smile just a little mockingly. A couple days after my arrival in Kinawata, I went to the manager of the guest house to see who he thought would be a good fishing guide. Johnny Lingo, said the manager. He's the best around. When you go shopping, let him do the bargaining. Johnny knows how to make a deal. Johnny Lingo, hooted a nearby boy. The boy rocked with laughter as he said, Yeah, Johnny can make a deal, all right. What's going on? I demanded. Everybody tells me to get in touch with Johnny Lingo, and then they start laughing. Please let me in on the joke. Oh, the people like to laugh, the manager said, shrugging. Johnny's the brightest and strongest young man in the islands. He's also the richest for his age. But, I protested, if he's all you say he is, why does everyone laugh at him behind his back? Well, there's one thing. Five months ago at Fall Festival, Johnny came to Kinawata and found himself a wife. He gave her father eight cows. I knew enough about island customs to be impressed. A dowry of two or three cows would net a fair wife, and four or five cows would net a very nice wife. Wow, I said. Eight cows? She must have beauty that takes your breath away. She's not ugly, he conceded with a little smile, but calling her plain, well... (laughs) That would definitely be a compliment, 
What? In fact, Sam Carew, her father, was afraid he wouldn't be able to marry her off at all. Instead of being stuck with her, he got eight cows for her. Isn't that extraordinary? But this price has never been paid before. Yet you called Johnny's wife plain. No, I said it would be a compliment to call her plain. (laughs) She was skinny and she walked with her shoulders hunched and her head ducked. She was scared of her own shadow. Well, I said, I guess there's just no accounting for love. True enough, agreed the man. That's why the villagers grin when they talk about Johnny. They get special satisfaction from the fact that the sharpest trader in the islands was bested by dull old Sam Carew. But how? No one knows and everyone wonders. All of the cousins urged Sam to ask for three cows and hold out for two until he was sure Johnny would pay only one. To their surprise, Johnny came to Sam Carew and said, Father of Sarita, I offer eight cows for your daughter. Eight cows? I'd like to meet this Johnny Lingo. Well, I wanted fish and pearls, so the next afternoon I went to the island of Nurabandi. As I asked directions to Johnny's house, I noticed Johnny's neighbors were also amused at the mention of his name. When I met the slim, serious young man, I could see immediately why everyone respected his skills. However, this only reinforced my confusion over him. As we sat in his house, he asked me, You come here from Kinawata? Yes. They speak of me on that island? Yes, they say you can provide me anything I need. They say you're intelligent, resourceful, and the sharpest trader in the islands. He smiled gently. My wife is from Kiniwata. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) They speak of her? A little. (laughs) What do they say? Why just the question caught me off balance. They told me you were married at festival time. Nothing more? Uh, The curve of his eyebrows told me he knew there had to be more. They also say the marriage settlement was eight cows. I paused. They wonder why. They ask that? His eyes lighted with pleasure. Everyone in Kinawata knows about the eight cows, I nodded. And in Nurabandi, everyone knows it too? His chest expanded with satisfaction. Always and forever, when they speak of marriage settlements, it will be remembered that Johnny Lingo paid eight cows for Sarita. Oh, so that's the answer, I thought. Vanity. Just then, Sarita entered the room to place flowers on the table. She stood still for a moment to smile at her husband and then left. She was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. The lift of her shoulders, the tilt 
of her chin and the sparkle in her eyes all spelled self-confidence and pride. Not an arrogant and haughty pride, but a confident inner beauty that radiated in her every movement. I turned back to Johnny and found him looking at me. You admire her? She's gorgeous, I said. Obviously, this is not the one everyone is talking about. She can't be the Sarita that you married on Kiniwata. Oh, there's only one Sarita. Perhaps she doesn't look the way you expected. She doesn't. I heard she was homely. (laughs) They all make fun of you because you let yourself be cheated by Sam Carew. You think eight cows was too many? A smile slid over his lips. No, but how can she be so different from the way they described her? Johnny said, think about how it must make a girl feel to know her husband paid a very low dowry for her. It must be insulting to her to know he places such little value on her. Think about how she must feel when the other woman, women boast about the high prices their husbands paid for them must be embarrassing for her. I would not let this happen to my Sarita. So you paid eight cows just to make your wife happy? Well, of course I wanted Sarita to be happy, but there's more to it than that. You say she is different from what you expected? This is true. Many things can change a woman. There are things that happen on the inside and things that happen on the outside. However, The thing that matters most is how she views herself. In Kinewata, Sarita believed she was worth nothing. As a result, that's the value she projected. Now, she knows she's worth more than any other woman in the islands. It shows, doesn't it? Then you wanted, I wanted to marry Sarita. She is the only woman I love. But I was close to understanding. But he finished softly. I wanted an eight cow wife. (laughs) Okay. Husband, how many cows is your wife? Be careful with that, by the way, because that could, you know... (laughs) I almost, that would have been a horrible way to end a, ah, it's a gift. I stand before you today not to be hyper-spiritual or boastful, but I have at least an eight-cow wife, and I would say even more. How about you? Community is so important to a growing relationship with Jesus. We weren't meant to walk this Christian life alone. God has blessed us with spiritual brothers and sisters, all imperfect people serving a perfect creator. We will find ourselves in times of trial as we deepen our faith and follow Jesus. So we need to have a community of believers to lean on. Your church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. In turn, you provide the same for them. Have you found a group of Jesus followers that you can invest in? 
If you're in the Kaneohe area and don't have a church, we would be more than happy to welcome you into our family. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Before our time is through with you today, we want to tell you how you can listen to more editions of In Spirit and Truth. Did you know you can take In Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Join us next time as we continue in the book of Ephesians on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.